Christmas is almost upon us, one week from today. How many of you still have shopping left to do? How many of you husbands looked at your wives and said, do we have shopping left to do? I don't don't do that. I'll get you my list this week of what I want. For those of you who are late in your shopping, just as a little, you know, helpful thing that we can do for you, I've found a few gifts online that maybe this week, if you're like, oh, I just need that last minute perfect present, here's just a few things I found online for you to maybe look into this week. First is this, it, uh, you're like, I don't know what that is, it looks kind of innocuous, but what this is, is, is genius, is what it is. <laughs> it's a steering wheel mount for your laptop because you need to be productive all the time and why would you spend pesky minutes and hours actually like looking at the road and steering when you could be working on your laptop so for the person that you love or I don't know anyway uh, you, you could do one of those how about this one these just make me laugh I don't know why there's a bunch of reasons one is uh, the fact that Jesus is in a robe The kids are in shorts and jerseys. He's the coach. He's in the robe because we'd be like, ooh, I couldn't tell it was Jesus unless he was in the robe and those sandals. And I like it because it looks like he's got game and he's taking the ball away from the kids. So you can get one of those for your loved one. I I love the little inset, how sad he is. He's so sad and follically challenged in the inset. And then with just a visor, you can get the hair that you want. Now they have this, they've got brown, they've got black. So, you know, kind of whatever it is that you're looking for, you can get the hair in your visor. So that's one that you could get this week. I don't know whether to laugh or cry about this one, but this is the 10 Plagues bowling set. It's an interesting way to teach your kids. And as you start knowing what the plagues are, like number six, I don't know why the guy with boils is smiling. But that's it. All right. Um, This is true. This is the pillow tie. Honest to goodness, it's a tie that has a valve on the back, and you self-inflate your tie. You can lay it there on the table, take a little nap. And I love their their little catchphrase, because most functions that require a necktie deserve to be slept through. The pillow tie. Um... This is just a little demonstration of a product called Season Shot. So for the hunter in your life, what it is, is it's seasoned buckshot. So why would you want to shoot and kill something and then have to figure out how to get all of the buckshot out of it when you could use Season Shot that comes in lemon pepper, honey mustard, teriyaki, and then you just shoot it and cook it and it's already seasoned. Genius. All right, just just one more, just one more. This is um, Shower Shock Caffeinated Soap. For the mornings that you wake up and you're like, if I could just rub the caffeine right in my arms. Now, what this product promises is it promises 200 milligrams of caffeine per shower. Now, to put that into perspective, that's two and a half Red Bulls. I don't know if you've ever had a Red Bull and been twitchy afterwards, but can you imagine two and a half just in your shower before your morning coffee? So there's a few things uh, for your list this week, and uh, I don't know if you remember getting that perfect gift 
And, and usually it says a child, you have this memory of, man, I just got this amazing, perfect gift as a child. Because when you get older, it's not so much about the gift anymore, is it? You, you kind of lose that expectation of this amazing gift that you're going to receive. I don't know about you, but I've never once on Christmas walked out to the driveway and found a Lexus under a large red boat. <laughs> it doesn't happen. I'd love to hear your story if that's yours, but that, that just doesn't happen. But as a child, Christmas is magical. And, and it's, it's wonderful. It's the most highly anticipated time of the year. They start counting down for months ahead. And, and when December comes, they're about ready to burst. They're holding high C for the entire month. You know, they're counting. You have those little doors. It's like, okay, 20 more days, 15 more days. Because they are just waiting with expectation for Christmas morning and for the gifts. And, and the beautiful thing about Christmas for children is that it delivers for them. The, the, the anticipation and the expectation and the wonder, it delivers. And they have that amazing experience on Christmas Day. But you know that as, as you get a little bit older, it kind of loses a little bit of that wonder. And maybe even as a parent, the wonder is replaced by the work. And, and you know that it's not as eagerly anticipated. And, and you don't have the same expectations that you had about it. You know, the day is great, but it just doesn't seem to speak to you the way that it used to. Now, we're taking a break for just a little bit from our series in Romans to talk about the songs of Christmas. And so I want to ask you this morning, what song are you singing? And I don't just mean the song that stuck in your head because it was on the radio this morning, right? I don't mean just that thumpity thump thump thumpity thump. Like, snowmen don't make that sound. I don't know why they sing that. But. I'm talking about the songs of your heart. What song are you singing? Can you honestly say that during this season, you are singing joy to the world? The Lord has come. Maybe you're singing already, mom and dad can hardly wait for school to start again. Maybe you're singing like the eagles sang, bells will be ringing that sad, sad news. Or maybe in the words of Longfellow that we sang earlier, and in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Maybe this season, this very familiar story and this very familiar day seem a little bit distant to you? What song is it that you're singing? We're going to be in Luke chapter 1 this morning. If you want to grab your Bibles and turn there, if you want to just grab one out of the pew, it's on page 1611. We're going to be looking at the life of Zechariah, and we're going to be asking this question. Have you ever gotten to a place where God has taken so long that you've lost hope? Have you ever gotten to a place that it feels like God has taken so long in what he's supposed to do that you've lost hope? And even when there's good news right in front of you, you can't believe it. Because I believe that that's where Zechariah was. Last week we talked about the song of Mary and that amazing song of revolution and her amazing willingness to be used by God. And this week we're going to talk about Zechariah who's just in this place where it feels like he's just waited so long and lost his hope. And even when the good news is right in front of him, he can't believe it. So we're going to walk through a little bit of this story this morning, this narrative. There's a lot of great things in here, and we're going to talk about his story starting in verse 5. 
It says, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. So a little bit of the history of the time. Around this time, there was probably between eighteen to 20,000 priests, far too many to all be at the temple at the same time doing the duties of the temple. And this had been a problem for a while. As a matter of fact, in 1 Chronicles chapter 24, we read that David started dividing the priests up into different classes, into different shifts. And so there were 24 different classes of priests. And in 1 Chronicles 24, it tells us that Zechariah's shift was eighth in line. And so when it was his time to go, they would go to the temple and do the duties for that week. And we also know that the experience that Zechariah had was an amazing experience. He was given the opportunity to burn incense in the holy place. Now, it wasn't like the holy of holies. That was the once of year place. But it was in the sanctuary where twice a day, a select priest would go in and burn incense as a sign, as a symbol of the people's prayers rising towards God. So the priest would go in and burn the incense. And while the priest did that, everybody would gather outside and pray. And when the priest was done burning incense, he would come out and he would offer the benediction and everybody would go about their business. And, and this truly was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Zechariah because once you had this experience, they pulled your name. You couldn't do it anymore. You didn't get to be in the lottery system anymore. So he has this amazing experience. Every other priest around him was like, lucky. Can't believe you get to do that. How cool is that? And we also know something about Zechariah and Elizabeth. It says that they were righteous and they obeyed God. They were careful to obey God, which makes verse 7 in this story all the more difficult. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. We know that Psalm 127.3 says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. And so the thinking, obviously, is that, you know, if you're living the way God wants you to live, he will reward you with children. And if you're not living that way, then you're probably not having any children in your family. And so this would have been something of constant concern for them. And we know by reading this story that this was the prayer and the desire of their heart. This hopeful expectancy of being newlyweds about, okay, God, we just can't wait. We're so excited. Kind of turned into this just faithfully praying along through their lives. Okay, God, please bless us with a family. Turned into this questions, disappointment, disillusionment, not praying that prayer. Turned into silence from God. A God who didn't answer. A God who didn't show up. If we're talking about the song of the life of Zechariah, probably verse one of that song would be silence. Verse 11 
It says, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him, which is the typical response to angels. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Zechariah, God heard your prayer. What prayer was he talking about? Was it the prayer where Zechariah walked into the holy place and he was like, gracious God, please deliver our people. Please have your hand of blessing upon us. No, it wasn't that prayer. It was a different prayer. It says, don't be afraid. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John. And you can see Zechariah standing there saying, that prayer? I stopped praying that prayer 20 years ago because I heard nothing. You have great joy and gladness, Gabriel says. Many will rejoice at his birth. Verse 17, he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Amazing. Zechariah's response is this. Zechariah said to the angel, verse 18, how can I be sure this will happen? Can you imagine? It's like the greatest day of his life. He's in the holy place. He's standing before an angel who's giving him news. And it's not even bad news. It's, it's amazing, great news. And he's like, how do I know this is gonna happen? I mean, what would cause him to respond that way? What's the disconnect that he has? Jeff mentioned earlier that there was a period of silence. Malachi is the last recorded prophet in the Old Testament. And after Malachi's written down prophecy, there was 400 years up to this point of just nothing. 400 years of silence, 400 years of them waiting for the Messiah, of them waiting, of them saying, okay, we have these old prophecies, but when, Lord? The same way that we have Zechariah, who would have prayed, waiting, waiting, waiting for a child. 400 years of silence. 400 years of causing you to just question. 400 years of just getting you to the point where you're just going through the motions without much expectancy. Maybe his response was that way too because the nation had ceased to be self-governing. They, they weren't their own rulers anymore. They had a, a long line of themselves and, and their own kings and now Rome ruled and the king on the throne was Herod the Great and he called himself the Great. And he was a pagan man. And maybe, maybe he didn't believe just because it was just past time. Verse 18, he says, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Which I love, because he calls himself old, but his wife, she's well along in years. And it's the polite way to say that, right? I mean, what does he want? I always laugh at this because I always feel like we have this same kind of thing. Like, God has given us so much and we, we still want a sign. That's what he wants. He wants a sign. 
We think, oh, if we had a sign, we would believe. He's in the holy place standing before the angel Gabriel. And he's like, I I don't know. I don't know if I can believe that. I mean, of all people who should have believed, it should have been him, right? He was a priest. He knew the prophecies. He knew about the prophets. He knew the stories. It's interesting to kind of contrast him with Mary when the angel Gabriel stood before Mary and gave her news that was unprecedented in the history of time. There's no previous example for Mary to draw upon. Like this is, this is the one and only time that this is gonna happen and Mary says, let it be. Or, or Mary says, bring it on. She's ready. Zechariah gets this news and he would have known the story of Abraham and Sarah. And he would have known that Abraham and Sarah received this promise and waited a long time and God blessed them. And then he gets this news and he's like, no, no, that's that's not for me. That's Abraham and Sarah's song, but that's not my song. He, He was singing, Zachariah was singing this song of feeling forgotten. Of, of no expectancy, of, of self-doubt, of disappointment. When God was beginning to just tie all of these prophecies together, it's so cool that verse 17 of Luke chapter one, Gabriel says that your son is gonna have the power of Elijah. He will turn the hearts of their fathers to their children. He, he's speaking these words that are the very last words of the last recorded prophet that we have. The, the last book in the Old Testament is Malachi, and the last two verses of Malachi say, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Like, th- that's the last news that they heard, and now all of a sudden the priest Zechariah is standing here, and he's getting that news. God is tying it together. God is breaking through the silence. God's song is about to burst forth and Zachariah says, how can I be sure this will happen? We've talked about kind of his song. Zachariah's song started with this verse of silence and now it comes to this verse of surprise and yet unbelief. That's the song that he's singing with his life. And verse 19, I don't, know if, I don't know if angels get edgy or chippy, if you will. But this is, it's a little bit where I just feel like Gabriel's like, seriously? He says, I am Gabriel, exclamation point. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. And and I don't know what that all means, but I do know that they had 400 silent years and then the promise came and Zechariah didn't believe and guess what? He's silent. He can't say anything for nine more months. Gabriel's like, you want a sign? Here's a sign. And maybe Zachariah's punishment was a gift for his wife, Elizabeth. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. We don't know. 
Meanwhile, the people were still waiting. All this is going on inside the holy place. The people are waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary. You know, he's supposed to give the benediction. He's supposed to release them. And when he didn't finally come out, it says he couldn't speak to them. And they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision. Something big is stirring. Silence for a long time, and we're starting to get a little blip. Something's coming. And it says that he finished his service at the temple and he went home and Elizabeth then became pregnant and they were expecting. To catch up with the story, we flip to verse 57 in chapter one. Come time for the birth of John. It says it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born and she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, they all rejoiced with her. The baby was eight days old. They came together for the circumcision ceremony, and this was the time that they named the child. And so they wanted to name him Zachariah after his father, but Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. And they said, what? There's no one in your family by that name. He should be Zachariah like his dad. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. Does that strike you as funny? Because they could speak... Zachariah could hear, (laughs) but they just got caught up in the gesture game, apparently. (laughs) We do that, too. He motioned for a writing tablet. To everyone's surprise, he wrote this. His name is John. Instantly, Zachariah could speak again, and he began praising God. And then this is where this song bursts forth out of him. And I don't know that if this was just something that was just brewing in him this entire time where he was just seeing things and and the, the reality was coming and the anticipation was finally there and the expectation was growing in him and he just had all of this in there and it just burst forth knowing that in this song, the prophecies are coming true and that what God promised would happen is starting to happen. And so he burst forth and it begins with praise Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies. He just bursts forth with this song of salvation. He says, we have a savior. We've been saved. We've been rescued. We've been redeemed. It's this image in my mind of this guy who just for decades have been stranded on this deserted island and the ship is finally coming in and the ship sees him and he's saved. And that's what he's just screaming. We're saved. It finally happened. It was quiet for so long, but we're saved. We're rescued. We're redeemed. Redeemed means to buy back. That that if you had been captured in a war and somebody paid the ransom for you to get you back, that's to be redeemed. We have been bought back. And he wasn't just speaking about this external process. He's not just like we're saved from Rome, we're saved from Herod. He's speaking of this internally as well. Because this salvation is a salvation from our sins. It's a salvation from our evil desires. It's a salvation from death. And because of 
the life and death and resurrection of this baby Jesus that was going to be born. We have been saved. Because this baby is born, we can be reborn. We are saved. We have been rescued. This amazing, joyful song that he is singing. And he says, he says, just as he promised through his prophets. Just as he promised. There are 61 major prophecies about the birth of Christ in the Old Testament. There's a bunch of prophecies, 61 major specific prophecies, all of them about to come true. 1 Kings 8.56 says, not one word of all the good promises of God has failed. That, that when God speaks a promise, it happens. Just as he promised, it happened. Verse 74, we've been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. We can serve God without fear. What's the fear? I think the fear in Zechariah's life and the fear in the life of the nation, I believe, is the same fear that we can wrestle with today. And so I want you to think about this for a second. What is that fear? I think it's these questions. Is it real? Is it true? Is all of this true that we're talking about? Will he come? Will he rescue me? Is he listening to me? God, how long will you make me wait? How many of us have prayed prayers like that? God, I've prayed for healing for so long. God, I've prayed for rescue. God, I pray for my children to know you. God, I pray for a change in the workplace. God, I pray for a job. God, I pray for peace in my marriage, maybe like Zachariah, God, I pray for children. And so maybe like Zachariah, you have this sense and this song of feeling forgotten and forsaken. And maybe within you somewhere, there's just that deep gnawing fear that God is not going to come through for you. That God isn't going to come and save. That God isn't going to come and rescue you. Because it's been so long. I've prayed for so long. But you know what? He says, now, now we can serve God without fear. His song is changing. If, if the early verses of Zechariah's song were silence and surprise and unbelief, this last verse of his song is salvation. That the promises of God are true. And the promises of God are true for us. For every one of us, the promises of God are true. That we have a Savior and we have a Redeemer and we have a God who rescued And so I don't know if the song that you're singing is a song of unbelief. All of us wait. 
It seems like all of us have something that we wait for and pray for and long for. And maybe that feels unfulfilled in you. But we celebrate the birth of Christ because it changed the song. And it changed the song to a song of hope and anticipation and expectation and fulfillment and a God who listens and a God who is working and a God who came near and a God who is near. And that's the song that we sing. You know, I was looking at the names of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah's name means God remembers and Elizabeth's name means the promises of God. So the two of them together means God remembers his promises. God remembers his promises. So if you are in that place of waiting, remember, God is faithful, that he remembers. Don't be afraid of the good news of this season. Don't be afraid of that good news. God wants us to be singing that song of hope and anticipation and expectation.